Last week we started a series called Anointed, and, and, and I was kind of where we were and wh what we were doing. God started laying this word on my heart because I think it's a, a statement that's missing in the church a lot today. We, we have feel-goods, we have moments, we have, we have explosions, but we don't have consistency, we don't have outpouring. We don't see the fullness of the word manifested in the church anymore. We see the fullness of the word manifested in the word. Why are y'all so quiet this morning? Y'all okay? Y'all with me this morning? So last week, we started dealing with the fact that you're anointed, and, and we started dealing with the fact that you're not just another person sitting in a room, and I've got all the anointing, but that God actually anointed you. He placed an anointing on you. You were called to be anointed and to walk in his anointing. You don't need me. You're enough. Oh, Jesus. Did he just say that? You don't need me. You're enough. There is enough power, enough presence on the inside of you to complete what God's called and purposed you to do. You don't need me. It's just great that I get to do life with you. Oh, but see, unfortunately, in the church today, we've turned this thing into a thing where the pastor is the only one with the anointing. Oh, look, the pastor is anointed. Look, 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 look how great. How great is our pastor? Sing with me. He's the guy behind the lights. He's the guy standing up speaking every week. He's the guy doing this. He's the guy doing that. No, 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 no. Everything that I'm doing, you can do. You just haven't uncovered it yet. Well, Pastor, I can't stand up behind those lights and talk. I, I just can't do it. I, 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 I can't. But you can. <laughs> you just got to get over you and get into him. You got to get out the way and let him become the way and let him show you what his plan was, not what your plan is. See, the anointing takes you out of the perspective and puts him in the perspective. The anointing says that you can overcome yourself and become everything he's called and purposed you to do. The anointing says you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. The anointing says that you can prophesy. The anointing says you can be a priest and king. The anoint And here's the great part. You don't have to be a pastor to be anointed. You just have to choose. Let, let, me, let me give you a recap real quick. Let me, just, let me just give you real quick. Real quick recap from last week. Last week, we discovered that the anointing of God is ours. It's not something we have to wait for or achieve. It's here for us right now. If Christ dwells in us and we desire to dwell with him, then we're anointed. Watch this. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. What did he anoint him with? The Holy Spirit and with power. Okay, watch where I'm going here. You ready? So while Jesus was here on the earth, he was the anointed one. That's what the Bible says. He was the one who carried the anointing. No one else was anointed at that point. God anointed Jesus to do work on the earth to reconcile us that were in sin back to the Father. That's what he anointed him to do. Watch this. Watch. There was no one like him. But when Jesus left the earth, he anointed who? But well, Pastor, I wasn't there that day. No, but your ancestors were. But Pastor, I wasn't there to receive that anointing that day. No, but your ancestors were. And if you believe in lineage, it was passed down. So we received it then. It was given to us, you and me, with the Holy Spirit and with power. When Jesus left the earth, he anointed us with the Holy Spirit and with power. And just in case you're wondering how I got to that conclusion, let me give it to you. But this week I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version so you get it a little more clear. It says this, I, and in John chapter 14, verse 12 through 18, it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will do the things that I do. Stop. Is that power? Yeah. Okay, I'm just trying to make sure. And he will do even... How much power is that? So he didn't say, I'm just giving you power. I'm giving you abundant power. 
I have come that you might have life and life what? More abundantly. Stop talking about prosperity and new cars and new houses. Start talking about the power of God that wants to flow on the inside of you. God said, I didn't give you a 12-volt battery. I gave you a 50,000-volt battery. You just got to decide whether you're going to hook up to that bad boy or not. Can I just be honest with you? There's a lot of people in the church today will only operate in a battery that they think they can handle rather than operating in a battery that God's called them to handle. I don't know if I can handle that kind of power. I don't know if I can do all that. Why not? God's made me. God's prepared me. He's anointed me. Why would I not want to hook up? Why would I not want to say, God, do your best with me, not just what you feel like or not what I feel like, but God, do everything you have in me and through me and let me be a vessel. Watch. He goes on and says, uh, I got lost my point. It says, and he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach because I am going to the Father. Okay, so Jesus is leaving the earth and he's going to the right hand of the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Watch, I love what it says in there. As my what? What was Jesus? The representative of who? Hello. Okay, I'm trying to get it to you. He said, as my representative, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified. Why did Jesus operate? So that the Father might be glorified and celebrated in the Son. If you ask me anything, this is where power comes in. If you ask me anything, what? Any, what? Come on, you better talk to me this morning. It, what? Anything. Anything. In what? In my name. What does he say he'll do? He'll do some of it. He'll do part of it. He'll do half of it and make you keep working at it. He says, I'll do it. And he goes on in verse six, on verse 15, he says, if you, and I like what they put in here in the Amplified, if you really love me. Not if you love me. Come on, y'all know, know what I'm talking about? Because we say love a lot, but we don't really mean it. Love really means like, but we just say love because love sounds better. He says, if you really love me, you'll keep and obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not seek him or know him. But you know him because he, watch, the Holy Spirit remains with you continually and will be in you. This is what Jesus is speaking to this moment. And what I'm trying to show you is, did you notice that he talks about the power before he talks about the spirit? He speaks to the power. You know why he speaks to the power? Because the power is what we see. So he knows how to talk to you. He says, I'm going to talk to you about signs, miracles, and wonders, and then I'm going to tell you about the Spirit. Because without the Spirit, there is no power. Y'all going to catch this in a second. You can lay hands on the sick all day. You can go out there and think you're casting out demons. But if the Spirit is not functioning in you, there is no unction to see it come to pass. Watch what I'm trying to show you. You can walk around and go, oh, you know, I go to church. Satan goes to church. I don't know if y'all realize that yet. Some of y'all had him in the car on the way to church this morning. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You were frustrated leaving the home. You were frustrated in the car. Somebody cut you off on the way. You said some words. You repented during worship. Amen. I know what happens on Sundays. I grew up in that family. Amen. You, you got here like, oh, thank God we're finally at church. Hey, praise the Lord. God bless you. Hey, we're so glad to see you this morning. I, I'll never forget. Well, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but 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 I remember when we were, <laughs> we were younger, uh, my parents back in the day and... and they're not married today, but, but they used to get in some pretty hardcore fights when we were on the way to church. And it seemed like it was always on the way to church that it just would just break loose. And I remember one Sunday we were getting out and we're getting in the car, we're getting out of the car and we're going out. And my dad looks at me and goes, now nah, all of y'all act like everything's okay. 
And I remember walking to church. I'm like, after everything was just said in that car, you want me to walk and be like, praise the Lord, everybody. We're just so glad to be in the church today. Amen. All right. Praise and we did it. We, we played the nice little church family. But I, I get it. Look, the, the, the enemy goes to church. And, 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 and this is the thing is, is that just because you go to church doesn't make you anointed. Uh Just because I stand behind a pulpit doesn't make me anointed. Can I just be honest with you? This is not the movement of the anointing. This is the movement of the calling. Oh, you're going to catch this one second. I'm gifted to stand here and preach the gospel, but I'm anointed to pray for the sick. I'm anointed to set the captives free. I'm anointed to go beyond this moment. This is the problem. The church wants to live in moments, not in life. The anointing doesn't happen because you come to church. The anointing happens when you take what was spoken in church and you apply it outside of the four walls of the church and you start doing rather than just listening. For the Bible says that you cannot be just hearers of the word, but you must become doers of the word. Pastor, I want to be anointed. Well, do. Because you will never walk in the anointing just hoping one day it'll fall like manna from heaven. Because the anointing happens when you function in it, not just when you hear the unction of it. Okay, 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 okay. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you the help. Okay, we, we got through all that. Okay, so watch this. When we begin to walk like we are anointed, altars will be empty of repeat repenters. Worship will be filled with an inhabitation of his presence and of his power. Sermons will be preached with power rather than feel goods. Word of God will become alive in our hearts and applicable to every situation, not just some situations. And let me just say this to you. If we're operating under the Holy Spirit and under the anointing, watch what happens. Every word that's declared out of this Bible becomes revelation to you. It doesn't matter if you've heard it 32 times. Well, I've heard that story before, but yet every time it gets read, there's more power in it. Okay, watch. In the beginning was, and the word was, and the word was, hello, could there be any more power than what's in your hand? That's it, that's it, that's it. And David said, thy word hath I hid in my heart. So, so watch this, watch this. So if the word is hidden in me, therefore now God, the power, it's in me. See, here's the problem. We keep having to consult the book rather than consult our hearts. And the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The out of everything flows. <laughs> From the heart. Everything flows from the heart. They, they, you want to, you I don't know, this is not even in my notes. You want to increase the anointing, get more word. You want to walk in the anointing, get more word. You can't declare your feelings over a situation. Your feelings don't change situations, but the word of God does. When the word says that by his stripes, I have been made whole. It doesn't say that I might be healed one day. It says that healing has already been laid at the altar on my behalf. So when I declare this word over a situation, I believe that by declaring it, I have now received that healing. So when I was praying for Patricia yesterday, I didn't walk in there, oh, God, oh, God, oh, Lord, oh, Jesus. I didn't need to wail and whine and complain, oh, God, hear my prayer, hear my prayer. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that makes me so nauseous when people do that. Because what it says to me is that you do not believe the God that you serve. You feel like, you know, more, watch, watch, watch. My kids whine to get what they want. Can I get an amen from a parent somewhere in this room? Can I give you a quick story? My daughter's sitting on the front row, and she's going to love me for this one. So yesterday, we went to Walmart. And we went, oh, my son's right over here, too. They're just going to, they're, 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 we're coming for both of them, amen. 
We got both of them in the room this morning. And don't, and don't judge them because your kids do the same doggone things. Even some of your adult children still do it. Amen. Okay. So, so we went into Walmart because my daughter wanted a squishy. Why, why squishies are popular? I have no idea. But my daughter wanted a stupid little thing that just squishes and squishes and squishes and squishes and squishes. All it does is squishes, squishes, squishes. That's all it does. Like, that's stupid. But she wanted it, and, and I'm stupid. So I bought it for her. Because what happened was, was my wife went to the store and bought one for my son. And of course, hello, well, Asher got one. I didn't, and I was tired of hearing the whining, so I was like, I'll fork out five bucks. We're buying a chicken but squishy. So we go into Walmart, and of course, here come my two bigs. Y'all know how this works. One gets one, everybody's got to get something. And so my daughter's like, Dad? Dad? Can I get some? No. Please? No. Pastor, you're so mean. <laughs> no, I'm not. So we go and we walk and we go pick up a turkey because we're making a turkey and we're coming back. And Judas walks up to me and goes, you know, Dad. Dad, I, I really like Pokemon. High five. Glad you do. Amen. But, but, but that, can I, can I be honest with you? That's how we treat God. Hey, God. You know, if you really loved me, if I was really yours and you were mine, you'd give me what I wanted. And God, in all of his loving, fatherly wisdom, goes, no. Because God did not create you to be some mamby-pamby, lip-wristed, sissy believer. See, here's the truth of it. Watch. If you truly understand the Father... You wouldn't ask for things that have momentary success. You would ask for things that have eternal consequence. And so you would only proposition your father for what he can do for you, not just for today, but for the rest of your lives. You'd stop accepting trinkets to the existence of your life and start accepting the fulfillment of everything that he has for your life. See, I, I think so many times we ask God for things. God, you know, God, if you gave me that house, shut up. Because the moment he gave you that house, you're going to find another house that you like better than the house he gave you. God, can you give me that house too? Hoarder. Wait. The Bible says wait. I say wait upon the Lord. Listen, if we would be more conscientious of letting the Holy Spirit speak to us, we would stop asking amiss of things that have nothing to do with us. And we'd start waiting to ask God of the things that will help us to fulfill the purpose that he has for our lives. I think so many times we pray for things that God's going, I'm not even in that. Shut up. Oh, God. Come on, you ever prayed like that? Some of y'all prayed like that. I know you have. I've heard it. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't get into that space. Oh, oh God, we got a whale before the Lord. Why? Yeah, the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two and the Spirit of God was available. To, that, that's some power right there, Jack. It says that when Jesus died, the earth shook. Shook. That's power. Why would I whine about power? Could you, could you imagine going to play a football game and you're like, I think we're going to win. I'm so hoping we're going to win today. I don't know if we're going to win. We're going to try. I'm quitting that team tomorrow. I don't want to play for that team. Yeah, but that's, but that's, come on, work with me. Y'all been to church long enough. You walk into church and the most spiritual people sound like the most defeated ones. Before service are like, oh, God, I'm dying. Oh, God, I'm falling apart. 
I mean, their worship is ugly. It's just ugly. And you go, Pastor, why are you being so critical? Because I'm trying to understand when the anointing is going to overtake. I'm trying to figure out when in this walk you're going to finally start acting like what you declare. Because let me help with something. The Bible says that your living epistles being judged by men daily. They are watching to see if you actually believe what you declare. Can I just say this? Anointing is not declared on Sunday. It's declared on Monday. It's not declared on Sunday. Sunday is celebration time. Sunday is when you get filled up. Sunday is when your tank gets to overflowing. Monday, when all hell breaks loose, that's when you start walking. Because <laughs> it's easy to be anointed in this room. It's easy to shout me down right now. It's easy, amen, pastor. But tomorrow morning when that boss looks at you sideways or that coworker says something dirty about you or you go to school and something stupid happens, what are you going to say then? Father, I thank you. Oh, God, where have you gone? Oh, God. I'm back in the wilderness again. I need to get back to Sunday. I need Pastor Brian again. I need the worship team again. I can't. I don't feel it. Ah. No, you're anointed. Somebody say, I'm anointed. Now say it like you mean it this time. Say, I'm anointed. Ah, when we begin to walk in the anointing, altars will be empty of repeat repenters. Worship will be filled with an inhabitation of his presence and power. Sermons will be preached with power rather than feel goods. The word of God will come alive in our hearts and applicable to every situation. We will become soul winners rather than people watchers. Ah. Aren't you tired of watching people go to hell? We will shake the gates of hell and heaven will explode with praise. But the time has come to see the anointing fill the house of God again and to see the demonstrations of that anointing in the lives of every believer. It's time for the Holy Spirit to have its place in our lives and us begin to function under that anointing. It got quieter all of a sudden. Because I wasn't preaching the feel good. I was preaching the anointing. You know that weird thing called the Holy Spirit. And that weird thing that says it fell like fire from heaven in the book of Acts. That weird thing that said it fell on them and, and it danced like cloves of fire on the top of their heads and everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. I don't know if you read that. That's in your Bible. That's not Old Testament. That's, that's the outpouring for every believer. I don't know how I feel about it speaking in tongues. Now, let me say this to you real quick as a sidebar because it's not in my notes. Speaking in other tongues is not the prerequisite for heaven. There are some churches that preach that foolishness. Or if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to make it. No, it's called a gift. You got to decide whether you open that sucker. But I don't know about you, but if you put a tree under the Christmas, a present under the Christmas tree that's got my name on it, baby, that sucker's getting unwrapped. I'm not going to look at it and go, oh, doesn't it look cute in this wrapping paper? No, I want to know what's in the box. I want to take hold of what's in the box, even if it's not something I think I need at the moment. You know what I'm talking about? That socks and underwear you got on Christmas? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I didn't ask for this. Yeah, but you needed that. See, yeah, that's the problem. See, the presence that God leaves for you is not something that you want. It's something that you need. You got to decide whether you want to go beyond the just of want experience into the necessity experience and watch the fullness of God manifest in you. I'm not even into my text yet, so you buckle, buckle your seatbelts. I know I'm speaking fast. Get the audio later. Amen. So this morning, I want to take you further. You ready? You ready? Come on. I got so much in me. You got to get on this train with me. It is one thing to declare that we're anointed because Jesus declared it over us. To hear that we're anointed in a sermon. But what do we do when we don't feel anointed? Well, we wonder if God has really anointed us because of situations and circumstances. We love God. We live for God. But being anointed seems like something that is so far off, maybe even reserved for someone else. I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to people. As people said, Pastor, God can't use me. Well, when you're ready, I'll compare stories. And we'll see. If he used me, why can't he use you? Did you know that God used a donkey? <laughs> I can't say the other word we were in church. 
But some of y'all have been that. And God still desires to use you. Amen. I, I inadvertently cursed in church just now. Did you see that? Went right around it. Amen. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Because I can tell you about words that are in this Bible that would flip you out. You'd be like, that's in the Bible? Yes! This is like the biggest book of Jerry Springer ever. There is some stuff in here. All right. So this morning, I want to take you a little bit deeper. Today, I want to talk to you about the condition and the position that you have to be in in order to walk in the anointing. Mm, here it comes. Because I want to help you see this in your everyday walk as a believer. So turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, this is where we'll be for the remainder of our service this morning. And I'm going to try to give it to you as quickly as possible, but make sure that you get all the meat out of it. Amen? 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 through 5. Let me start by there by giving you story context so that you and I are on the same page. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel was a prophet, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go off? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So you understand what's happening here. Samuel has now been given the task of anointing the next king of Israel. And so God has given him this assignment, and he's now headed to Jesse's house. But he's got to go through Bethlehem. And, and when a prophet came into town, everybody would always freak out because the prophet would usually say some stuff nobody wants to hear. Amen. Because he would say things that changed people rather than just made people feel comfortable. Amen. Okay. And so, and so he came in there like, did you come peaceably? He's like, yeah, I came peaceably, but I came with a mission. And he, he came to anoint the king and God had given him instructions. So go on into verse six, because this is where the text starts to pick up. It says here in verse six, it says, so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the, the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Stop right there. No one looks anointed. Okay, I've heard some dumb stuff in my days in the church. Because of pastors having certain things, or look at that car he has. Look at the anointed blessing on my pastor. Are you stupid? Cars do not make you anointed. Houses do not make you anointed. Yeses make you anointed. Yes to your will. Yes to your plan. Yes to your purpose. Yes, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You want me to give it all up? I'll give it away. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm with you wholeheartedly. A yes brings the anointing, not your stuff. Not, not your stuff. Not, 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 oh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. No one looks anointed. The anointed have heart. There are no imposters, fakers, or lookalikes when it comes to someone being anointed and walking in it. You can't fake the anointing. I don't know if you realize this. You, you can fake Christianese. You can fake church. You can fake calling yourself a believer. But you can't fake the anointing. Because if you fake in the anointing, that's called witchcraft. Because what you're praying is not so that the God, so God might be glorified. It's praying so that you might be glorified. 
the anointing doesn't look a certain way. I, 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 we, were, we were in revival night uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and, man, God was moving. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. And, and God was moving. And, and my wife comes to me. She's like, baby, I, I don't understand how you get all that out of that. Like, you go after some stuff. Like, whoo. She's like, I'm just trying to pray for people. And you're just like praying for people. Ah. And I'm like, yeah. But you understand, I've been in this since I was a kid. I've been working, I've been walking in this, I've been watching it, I've, I've wanted it, I've pursued it. I've said, God, how do I get to that place where your anointing saturates everything in me? And I'm not about my will, but I'm about your will and whatever you want to do in this moment. And so, God, use me as a vessel. God, anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet that I might fulfill your plan in the earth rather than my own plan in the earth. And, and I said, baby, when you get into that moment, you're not there anymore. God is. See, can I just say this to you? The anointing is when God steps in and you step out. And I mean step out because what God will call you to do under the anointing will be somebody you don't think you can be. Something takes over. Something comes alive on the inside of you. Listen, Samuel didn't come looking for a king. He came looking for someone with a heart for the king. I'm going to let you sit on that one for just a second. He didn't come looking to make somebody a spotlight. He came looking for somebody that already knew who the spotlight was. <laughs> because if you know anything about David, David was a worshiper, a man after God's heart. He spent time in the presence of God. I don't know if you realize this, but I think David understood what the anointing was long before Jesus ever died. And you understand that the Bible says that, Jesus, that David was of the lineage of Jesus? He was in the, in, the, in the family legacy line of Jesus. He understood the power and the presence of God. Watch. Samuel didn't come looking for a king. He came looking for someone with a, king, with a heart for the king. Listen, let's stop getting caught up in the appearance and start getting caught up in the heart. Listen, you're not anointed because you look cute. You're not anointed because you dress good. You're not anointed because you lift your hands during worship. You're not anointed because you sing good or don't sing good. It's quiet, amen. You're not anointed because you play an instrument. You're not anointed because you greet at the door. You're not anointed because you... You're anointed because you have the heart to do those things. Not because you do those things. Because when you have a heart to do it, you will step into anything so that God might use you. See, it, 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 this, this will get... I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. But God is not looking for your... Uh, position. He's looking for your heart condition. And if you want the anointing to increase, you have to ask God to condition your heart so that it is prepared and ready for him to use it whenever he decides. Can I ask you this question? Can God use you whenever he wants to, or does he have to sign a, 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 a schedule with you? I want to use you right now, Brian. God, you know, look, I haven't had my cup of coffee yet. Hold on. God, I hadn't gotten the news yet today. God, God I, haven't, I haven't even gotten out of bed yet. God, you, God can, we, can we wait 45? Hey, God, I know you want to speak right now, but I'm kind of busy. Can I come back to you later? See, that's not a heart for God. That's a heart for ourselves with God on the backside. God says, that's not a person I can use. That's not a person I can let my anointing flow through. Because anointing doesn't, you don't pick when to be anointed. The anointing operates in you consistently. Got it? So you got to stop getting caught up in the appearance and start looking at the heart because walking in the anointing requires heart, a heart that desires more of God than themselves. 
A heart that desires to beat in rhythm with him rather than with the world. Okay, I'm going to take a pause right here for a second. There is a danger in the church right now because the church is starting to look no different than the world. Where we are so caught up in appeasing and pleasing everybody. Tickling everyone's fantasies rather than changing their lives through the power and the presence of God. Okay, I'm going to go on a sidebar, and this is not to knock anybody. Uh, uh, there's, there's, of course, most of you have probably heard it, but there's all this rage and, 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 and communication about Kanye and, and Jesus is king, and look what he's doing for the kingdom of God. And, and I am excited. And somebody commented, Pastor, do you believe in his conversion? I said, you, you are nobody to judge another man's conversion, so shut up and let that man walk his walk. Okay, so I, I'm going to stay right there. But, but I have a problem. When a man becomes the sermon. Rather than the God that we serve is the sermon. I have a problem when we stand in moments to declare the kingdom of God. And we declare a Kanye who's after God. Oh, did you see what's happening? As if that is the thing that will change them. Yes, God is doing work. And if you want to watch what God's doing, man, there's some powerful stuff happening. And I'm not knocking him and I'm not knocking other pastors. But when we make that the social space of every service, if you go online, if you look at most churches, everyone's talking about him. What about the God in here? And, and, and I'm going to say this to you because I thought this was amazing. And, and most people think I'm stupid for thinking this. But I was watching his, uh, his service on, on Lakewood Live, uh, on Lakewood's church. And, and he's up there and he's talking about what God's doing and blah, 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 blah. And, and all of a sudden this guy in the choir goes, hey, yeah. And, he, and I watched Kanye just turn around and he goes, hey, bro, I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for your support. But can you be quiet? Ooh. Ooh. That arrogant, no good son of a gun. No, this is what he said. He said, right now. I'm trying to allow God to use me as a vessel to speak in this moment. And I can't hear God over you screaming. I'm here as a vessel. And I watched an interview later. He said, I have one moment to declare God, not Kanye, to declare God. And I don't want to miss this moment. But see, we've missed that. We want to make it all about, hey, you following Kanye? Hey, have you watched Kanye? Hey, have you read your word yet? Have you prayed yet? Have you sought God yet? Have you prayed for the sick yet? See, stop getting caught up in everyone else's conversions and get caught up in yours so that the anointing can flow through you, so that the power of God can manifest through you, so that you can operate in everything that he has for you. I am not following a man. I'm following a God. Mm, Sorry. I got on a tangent there for a second. I apologize. Heart that desires to be in rhythm with him, a heart that pursues, chases at the level of abandoning their own desires, a heart for God and not before God. Uh-huh. A heart God can have and is left there without regrets. Can God have your heart? Or are you still trying to fix it so it's pretty when he gets it? Well, hold on, hold on, God. I got, I, look, I know you want it, but I got I to gotta fix this piece. Do you think God doesn't know what's in there? You, do you think he doesn't know what, what, what nicks and scrapes and scars you got? And all God's going is, can, can I have it? Because you can't fix it because you didn't create it. I did. So let me have it. Can I please? Can you, can, can, shh, give it to me. But, but, but God, I don't want you to judge me because of my scars. If you can't give me your heart to heal those spaces in you, then obviously you don't believe I'm the healer. So who am I to you? Let me help with something. Heart condition tells God that I trust everything that you are over everything that I am. A heart God 
can have, a heart that wants to be used, a heart that desires to be filled but is willing to be emptied. Stop right there. How many of you want to be filled? If you're not raising your hand, something is wrong with you right now. I want to be filled with the presence of God. Let me help you something. In order to be filled, you have to be willing to be emptied. You have to be willing to pour out more than you're willing to be poured into. There is a danger in the church right now where everybody wants to be poured into. Pastor, pour into me. Pastor, pour into me. Pastor, pour into me. Dear God, you're going to bankrupt me. Because every time I pour out, I got to go fill back up. If I spend all of my days pouring out, then I'm never filling up. But I understand there's an ebb and flow. But when do you start to pour out? When do you finally step out and say, you know what? I'm full. Let me empty myself. Not let me call my pastor so he can pray for my friend. But did you go and go, hey, I'm coming to pray for you. Yeah. Right. Right. I did this thing, of, this thing in the church where we got to have the pastor come pray. Can I just say this to you? And maybe you don't agree with this, but I do. My anointing is not better than yours. But pastor, you pray so much better than I do. It's not that I pray better. It's I pray more often. See, what makes you good is repetition. What makes you good is consistency. If I don't pray enough, I'm never going to be good at praying. I can always tell those who can't pray by when they pray. Because when they go to pray, they stutter step all over themselves. They don't know what to come out because they're not praying. They're, they're begging God to fix a situation, but they have no communication with God. Communication with God is me walking in and go, Pastor, will you pray? Oh, I pray. Let's go. Why, why are you so bold? Because I've already been praying. This is not a new space. This is a consistent space. This is a repetition on the inside of me. And no, it's not the drop the napkin prayer at the table because I don't want to offend anybody. No, baby, I will offend you in the middle of a restaurant. Time to pray. Father, ask my kids, do I not? Do I pray quietly? Never. Have I ever prayed quietly? No. My son's like, Dad, shut up. No, he doesn't do that to me. He doesn't do it. But then I get my kids to pray. Your turn to pray. Oh, Dad, come on. Say, no, pray. Because here's the truth of it. I have the power and the anointing, and my kids have it as well, to sit in a restaurant and declare God over a dinner table. And when we pray over our food, I believe that the same power that we call on to bless our food is the same power that can heal the marriage that's sitting at the table next to me, to heal the family that's sitting next to me, to minister peace and joy to the family that's sitting behind me, to bring prosperity to the ones that's sitting on the other side of me, because that's the anointing we operate in. Pastor, you didn't have to pray for the moment? No. I just carry that. That's what's on me. That's what's on you. Pastor, it's on you. Why can't I get bold? Because you got to go after it. you got to have a heart for it. The Bible says that God said to Samuel, let me go, let me, let me go here real quick. In, in verse 11, it says, Samuel, I'm sorry, uh, let, me, let me go back. Uh, he said, there, uh, ah, here we go. I'm trying to find my spot here. Lord, help me, Jesus. I, I jumped pages. That's my fault. I apologize. It says that in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. The Lord doesn't see as man sees. Can I just take that one step further? Stop judging another person's anointing. You are not God. For the man doesn't see as the Lord sees. What you have to do is ask God to show you with his eyes, not your own. Oh, he's not anointed. He's not anointed. He's not anointed. You know, you know what the funny part is? The only time that I'm never anointed is when I say things that convict people. Or challenge people. 
or change people or make you uncomfortable. I don't like when he preaches on hell. I don't like him talking about Satan and the devil. I just want to tell him about the good things of the Lord. Just tell him about the good things of the Lord. I don't know why he tells me to live my life right. I don't tell me why he tells me to live holy. I don't know why he tells me to lift my hands. I've had that one happen in the church. I don't know why a pastor asks us to lift our hands. I'll lift my hands when I'm ready. Okay. Hope heaven works. Amen. All right. Because this is the kind of foolishness that you deal with. That's not a heart after God. That's a heart after yourself. How can you keep your hands in your pocket in the presence of God? Oh, I worship you. No, you don't. Can, can I just say this? I said this years ago. Hands in pockets during worship is a sign that you're insecure in the things of God. Because you're holding on to you more than you're holding on to him. I got to keep my hands in my pocket so I can keep myself secure. So I can hold on to me so I don't lose me. Because the spirit of God, the presence of God comes so that you might be evicted from yourself. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Can I give, can you give me a few more minutes? Give me a few more minutes. I, if I don't deliver, something's going to break on the inside of me, so i got to get it all out. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 8. Here it goes. It says, so, so not only do you have to have a heart condition, you have to have a heart after God. Not a heart for church. Ugh. It's gross. i got a heart for my church. Stop it. The church will fail you. People will fail you. Pastors will fail you. Pastor, did you just say that? No, don't say that. I'm flesh. I have to crucify this daily. I make mistakes. Now, the great thing about me is that I'll tell you when I make mistakes. I don't care. Because I'm like, look, if I don't tell you, it doesn't change anything. So might as well just tell you when I screw up. But I was like, stop telling everybody you messed up. Why? That makes me more relatable to the people that are screw-ups in the room. Because we've all screwed up. No, Pastor, I'm perfect. Came out of the womb, angels. Ah. Okay, I came out, came out of the womb walking with God. Well, please write a book so we can all get on your level. Amen. Okay, so Jesse called, in verse 8, so Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Dang, wouldn't you feel like a failure as a father real fast? When the prophet has come to anoint the king and all of what seemingly is all of your sons have passed by the ram's horn and none of them get it. Make you wonder what you're doing in life. And Samuel said to Jesse, here it comes. Are all of the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. God says, I want your heart. But then there is a position of the anointed. A place where his presence and his power increases. That position is twofold. It's called being a worshiper and a servant. Okay. If you understand the story of David, we all know David killed lions and tigers and bears. Okay. Just want to make sure you are with me right now. 
David fought off animals that were attacking the sheep, but we also know that it is in the tending to the sheep where David worshipped God. He would take his harp and his lyre and worship the Lord. He would write songs to God. That was, that was his place. That was his moment with God. He was entertaining the presence of God, right? All while tending to the sheep. David is out tending his father's sheep. Watch, hold on. He's not sitting in the house wondering when will he be used. He's not sitting there wondering if there's something greater to his life. He is not whining and complaining of what could have, should have, and would have. He's not complaining about the people, the people that have failed him and the pastors that have walked out on him. He's not, he's not doing any of that. He is serving his father's house. He is serving and worshiping. And it is there that God begins to develop the heart on the inside of him and position him to be anointing. Listen, serving and worshiping will always increase your walk with God. Because it is through those two things where God speaks the loudest. It is through those two areas where the presence and power increases. Serving and worshiping will take you from what you see to what he has planned for you. See, you go, man, I would want to be David. I wouldn't want to tend the sheep and deal with all that foolishness. I don't know why he was doing that. His brother was sitting home. I just gone home. That's the problem. You didn't see what David saw. You didn't have the experience David had. I'll never forget when I started in ministry at, at, at 19 years old. Uh, I went to serve in a church and, and everybody, a lot of people around me were like, you're crazy. And, and, and maybe to, to some effect that some of the stuff I did for the church was a little too much. But I wasn't looking through the serving of the church. I was looking through the serving because God had called me and I was willing to do whatever he called me to do. That means scrubbing toilets, building bathrooms, laying carpet, laying tile. I didn't care what he called. I'm going to go do it. God, whatever you do. Pastor, I, what, what do you mean? What would you do? Okay, here, let me give it to you. I worked a full-time job, and I actually changed my schedule to work an overnight shift so that I could be in staff meetings on 8 o'clock in the morning when I was never a staff member. I remember walking into staff one morning. The first morning, I walked into staff meeting, and I'm sitting in the chair, and, and the staff walks in, and they're like, why are you here? Pastor looks at me and goes, be quiet. Don't say a word. Okay. He says, stops the staff and he goes, I bet you all wonder why Brian's here, huh? They're like, yeah. You're wondering if I hired him, aren't you? You're wondering if I'm paying him now, aren't you? You're wondering why he was hired on staff, aren't you? He said, Brian's not hired on staff. Brian just wants to be here bad enough. He said, man, if I could have five of y'all in this room that weren't chasing paychecks but chasing the presence and power of God so that God might use you, you might find the favor you're looking for. I served that way for three years of my life, from 19 to 21, never one dime, not one paycheck. And my first paycheck from the church was $300 a month. And I was serving 60 plus hours a week. Pastor, why would you do that? Because the calling was so far greater than the position. I was tending to the spaces in my own life, letting God work his way in me. I was sitting in sanctuaries of 4,000 empty seats, sitting behind a piano, playing worship, singing to God, dreaming about the day that I might stand at the pulpit and preach. Listen, just so you know, because I don't mind telling you, I would literally sit in the chair and act as if somebody had acknowledged that I was there to preach the gospel that Sunday morning, walk up to the pulpit, open up my Bible, lay it on the pulpit, preach a whole message, have an altar call, and respond to my own altar call. Pastor, why would you? Because I wanted to see what God wanted to do with me. And I would do anything I had to do to get it. 
Can I ask you a question? Do you want God to use you bad enough that you're willing to abandon everything to get there? Pastor, I, I, I can't. No, no, I've already got, I've already got my plan. Mm. That's the problem. We ask God to anoint us, yet we tell God how the plan looks for the anointing. God says, your, your plan is for the anointing is not yours. It's, it's mine, and you need to stop telling me how I'm going to give it to you because I'm going to do this, this, and this in your life. Let me just say this to you as well. Did you know that half the junk you've been through is to increase the anointing in your Pastor, how can you say you're anointed? You went to jail four times. Yeah, every, every time I went, the anointing got it a little tighter, a little higher, a little higher, a little higher. The water got a little higher. Pastor, you, you went to jail. Oh, my gosh. And you sinned. What's the difference? I just got caught. <laughs> Some of y'all are praying you just don't get caught. I got caught every time. Guy's like, keep playing. I'm going to get your attention. Go get, keep me playing. I'm going to put you in a hole. Amen. Serving and worship will cause you to hear from the Holy Spirit and increase the anointing of your life. True anointed people are not in spotlights. Oh, I don't need this pulpit to be anointed. Look, I, I've said this to God for years. God, if there's somebody else better to do this, please show it to him. Because I'll give this up gladly. If there is ever a better person, no, no, don't, don't miss, please don't misconstrue what I'm about to say. I can hear it already in the atmosphere. Oh, God, what is he saying? God, God, if there is someone better to lead this house, please put them in front of me because I'd rather this house succeed than me drag it. God, God I, 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 whatever you want to do, I, I'm, I'm trusting you and your anointing because I've learned over the years. If I want to walk in the anointing, the only thing I can answer is yes. The, the anointing, to, to really be anointed of God, you have to understand that the yes is the only answer you can give him. That means if God says do this, yes. Okay. And, and, and have you ever noticed that God asks you to do stuff you don't want to do? Come on, work with me. Some of y'all look at me like you're lost right now. He goes, hey, do this. You're like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. God, no, I can't, I can't give, I can't give that. I can't, I can't sow that. I can't bless that person. I can't pray for that person. I can't, do you understand? And then you complain. We complain because we, we don't walk in the fullness of God. I don't just want to walk in the fullness of you. But I stood in Walmart and asked you to pray for somebody in a wheelchair and you told me no. Well, but God, I, see, here's the problem. We think anointing is blessings. We think anointing is the blessing. If, if I'm on the anointing, I'm walking in the blessings of God. Uh -uh. You're walking in the function of the Holy Spirit operating through you. That's it. And let me help you with something. If you walk in it, you won't get any rewards. Well, I'm not doing that. I don't get a reward. I don't get a reward. I'm not doing it. I don't get a toy. I I'm not going to Walmart with you, Pastor. You're not going to buy me a toy. I'm not going to do it. It's like that time that God said we were, we were in a service and, and we, I, I called the church to go to Walmart and put on life preservers. I'm in the middle of a service and God says, go to Walmart and put on life preservers and just walk around. We got kicked out of Walmart. It was awesome. Some of y'all looking like, oh, we're leaving the church now. That's a weird preacher right there. No, I was in a moment of... of how do we get outside of the mold of just playing church and start really demonstrating what we've come to do? Yeah. 
we've come to save that which is or drowning. The problem is we watch people drown and we go, oh, if you make it, I'll be over here. Scream loud. I'll wave. So we went into Walmart and we put, and no, not, I'll be honest, not everybody showed up. People were like, y'all crazy. Okay. And so we went into Walmart. Started, and here's the funny, this is how God works. This is the funniest part of it. We walked over to the, like the, 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 the boating section, the outdoor section. They had a center box full of life preservers. Like it was set up on purpose just for us. So we just walk in and start slapping them on, slapping them on, slapping them on. We're walking through Walmart, just walking through, hey, what's going on? People are like, what are y'all doing? Well, glad you asked. So then we just start talking about the message. And they're like, dude, that is so cool. That is so awesome. I remember talking to a guy in the parking lot. What are y'all doing? Are y'all weird people? What's going on? Is there a flood that I don't know about? Is there, is there a tsunami coming to slide out that I need to go prepare for? No, man. This is what God's called us to do. And, and, and this is not because I'm saying that's what you need to do, but you have to be willing to do those things. You have to be willing to step outside of who you are. You have to be willing to serve his purpose more than your own. And when you serve his purpose, he does things in your life you couldn't do on your own. Everything I have is because I've said yes to God. My children are because I said yes to God. My wife is because I said yes to God. Listen, I say this to people all the time. I, I, didn't, I didn't get a beautiful wife and awesome four children because I'm this good. I got that because I said yes to God. They were the benefit plan to my yes. Y'all going to catch that one in a second. Men, let me say this to you. Your wife is the benefit plan to your yes. You used to, oh, God, that's a good marital counseling moment right there. Because, men, if you say no to God, for the Bible says what God puts together, no man can tear apart. Okay, that's, that's the sidebar. That wasn't, that wasn't meant to hit y'all today. I just felt like I had to get that out. So there's a space where we have to get to where we have a heart for God, not an attendance with God. Not a check me off the roll sheet with God. Ah, not a tithe in the church, God. But that my heart is for God and for the things of God. For God does not look on the outward appearance, but looks at the heart of a person. Second thing is I have to have the position of a worshiper and a servant. Not a hoarder and a keeper. All right, let me. Um, not Not boastfulness of my own self and a hoarder of my own presence. He says, I need you to worship me and serve me in spirit and in truth. If you can do those two things, I will not only increase my presence on you, but the kicker is I'll send someone in the midst of when you're serving to show you you're anointed of me. Can I just say this to you? Samuel was not prophesying something new to David. Samuel was confirming what David already knew because I'm a fervent believer that God had already spoken to David in the middle of the field and said tend to my sheep just a little bit longer I'm teaching you how to deal with my people I'm teaching you how to be patient because sheep are stupid and I'm just trying to show you that they're going to want to jump off cliffs they're going to want to turn their back but you're going to keep going after them I've given you a staff one with a hook and one with a la- one with a long stick and if you the wolf comes in you're going to beat it but if you if 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 they start to wander off you're going to hook them and pull them back I'm teaching you how to tend to my sheep I'm preparing you and David was probably sitting there how God how am I going to know you'll know when the appointed time comes you'll know and you'll walk in it and so David is out tending to the sheep it doesn't say how they got David back home and all it says is that David David came back home. And I love what Samuel says in there, and I'm not going to go into it. It says, Samuel says, we will not sit until he arrives. 
Did you know that there is an anointing on your life that God has put on you that is not my anointing but is your anointing? And God doesn't want anything to go forward until you finally say yes to it. There are things, people, places that cannot ever be touched because you will not say yes. And God says if you would just say yes, everything would start to change. I cannot fulfill the mandate of God. It is us that must fulfill it. But we must walk in the anointing and become his anointed ones. With a heart for the power and the presence of God and a desire to serve rather than to be seen, you will not miss your moment. It is time that we have a greater heart for power and presence, for the power and the presence of God and a desire to serve in his house. Those two areas will increase because will increase and cause you to carry his anointing and fulfill his purpose for your life. I have to do this as we close. And I know I went long, but I'm sorry, but I, I got to get this out. I'll try to be shorter next week. Amen. No promises. Why is it we're good at attending, but we're not good at serving? When I go to somebody's house and they invite me over to eat, or if I ask you to come and hang out with us, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to make it over there. If I do make it over there, I don't walk in the room and sit down at the table and go, where's my food? I walk in and say, can I help? Why? You were invited in. Why would you have to help? Because that's what a servant does. Understand that it's not a servant. It's not a slave. It's a servant. See, here's the kicker about a servant. A servant has access everywhere a slave does not. A servant has keys to the house. He has access to rooms that a slave can never enter. God did not call you to be a slave in his kingdom. He called you to be a servant in his kingdom. In other words, he says, because of me, I will grant you access. But you have to accept the responsibility. That means when I hand you the keys, you understand what I'm handing you. So Jesus leaves the earth and he says, listen, I'm going to go to the right hand of the Father, but I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit and the power. I'm giving you the keys. I'm giving you access. I'm giving you. You don't have to walk and wonder if the door's ever going to open. You have a key to that door. You have a key to the Father's house. What is amazing to me is how many people in the church complain about being outside of the house when God gave them the keys. Or they've been wearing them around their neck their whole lives but never understood that that key had the power to open up the front door. And God says, I just want you to walk in it. I just want you to say yes to it. 